Baseball is almost back. I know we're excited for it. It's exciting all on its own, but there's one thing I think that could make it even more exciting, and that is to watch a game with your favorite beverage in a mug that's made out of the barrel of a baseball bat. And it just so happens there's a company called Dugout Mugs. They started in a college baseball dugout, believe it or not, and they make 12-ounce mugs from the barrel of a baseball bat. Really cool. They are licensed by Major League Baseball. Your favorite team is laser engraved onto a birchwood baseball bat barrel mug. And they're just the perfect thing to have your beverage for the big game or just to have fun to put on display. It's a great gift for a baseball fan if you've got a gift-giving occasion coming up. And all you got to do is go to dugoutmugs.com slash the athletic and use the promo code MLB30 for 30% off of your first purchase. That's dugoutmugs.com slash the athletic code MLB30. Fill that baseball void with your very own dugout mug today. 15. We will look at some potential last minute tweaks to the Rays and Royals rotations and peruse some July ADPs. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three cold brews yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Tuesday, July 21st. I'm Al Melkier. I am here with Michael Beller. And uh, Michael, let's uh, kick things off kind of piggybacking on a a topic that we talked about on the Monday show uh, with uh, Derek Van Riper. Talked a bit about the Tigers situation, Jordan Zimmerman going on the 45-day IL, Casey Mize maybe having an opportunity to take uh, a lot of those starts that were vacated by Jordan Zimmerman. And since that show, Casey Mize has been assigned to the Tigers alternate training location in Toledo. But are you anticipating that maybe in week two, Casey Mize will be taking the mound for the Tigers? I mean, I think it's worth betting on, right? I I think this is the sort of guy who I would be comfortable doing a week ahead fab by if you still have a fab that is not yet processed for week one or week zero however you want to term what we have coming up at the end of this week it's a it's a realistic enough proposition and he would have a high enough ceiling that I would be comfortable throwing some sort of money at the situation and seeing what happens in a week because if you wait for it to happen then you're going to have a whole lot more competition for him yeah, yeah, and I know you're included in this group, but there are people who haven't run their initial fabs yet. Uh, DVR and I talked about our initial fabs that ran on Sunday night, but uh, I actually did put in for Casey Mize in one league, and I think if you've got a fab coming up, whether it's for the first week or the second week, uh, he's certainly going to be a target of mine, and I would definitely recommend that. Uh, also, another team that may be introducing a prospect into the rotation, the Royals. Uh, Jacob Junis placed on the IL And it seems like, just like the Tiger situation, it's not definite, but it seems like Brady Singer would be a top candidate to fill that vacancy. So similar situation, obviously not as um, vaunted of a prospect, but, you know, what what is your thinking about where Brady Singer maybe should be rostered? Yeah, Brady Singer to me is more of a wait-and-see guy, not someone where I am afraid of the added competition because he's not someone who I feel would warrant that 
um, big time spot the way that Casey Mize would. So uh, not someone I would be too disappointed on missing out on. I would like to see a start or two from him, assuming he's going to get that. Of course, we're still making that assumption. Doesn't seem like a huge one, but I think ultimately he could pitch his way into the mix of a pretty standard 15 team league. Although even in that context, I wouldn't be expecting much from him. Don't think he's a huge needle mover here in 2020. All right, well, let's move on to another rotation. Uh, Brendan McKay has not been in the Rays camp now for two full weeks, and Mark Topkin, uh, also in a recent report, noted that Austin Meadows is not present. Of course, he was recently uh, placed on the the COVID IL, and uh, Randy Arazarena has not been present for any of the camp, so some some key absences for the Tampa Bay Rays. But let's focus on that pitching situation because McKay certainly looked like he'd be a candidate for the rotation, and if nothing else, maybe as a piggybacker who could have some value, maybe vulturing wins and racking up some innings. Does anybody slide up in terms of their the prominence of their role with uh, McKay out? It would appear indefinitely. Yeah, I mean, I think what this means is just uh, a little bit more comfort, a little bit more of a sure thing value for someone like Yanni Chirinos. He also just made his uh, return or made his debut at Tampa camp. Can't remember if he was there originally and then gone, but he just got back on the field with his team. So I do think it, it more just solidifies his value. I don't think that just because Tampa wants to do what it wants to do doesn't mean that anyone can do it. So I think Chirinos gets a little bit of a, of a bump here. Uh, maybe you feel a little bit better about Trevor Richards or Brian Yarbrough, but I think we probably already felt the way we feel about them and McKay being in or out isn't really going to change the way that the Rays deploy those two guys. So a little bit of a bump for Chirinos. Uh, I'm not really bumping Jalen Beeks at all. Don't think that he's got enough juice just yet to be going after in any significant way. And again, Richards, Yarbrough, I feel the same about them. I feel good about them, but I don't bump them up at all because of the uh, news with Brendan McKay. All right. And we've got some Giants developments as well. Uh, so let's start with the bullpen. We've talked about a lot of different bullpens on recent shows. Uh, the the Pirates, uh, the Astros, uh, those you know recently coming into questions in terms of who might close for them early on in the season. Uh, we haven't really talked about the Giants bullpen that much, though. And that one is is uncertain, I think, as any. Uh, a positive development is that Tony Watson did pitch in a game on Friday. That was his first appearance. He came down with um, a shoulder injury in spring training, had some tightness there, and so he appears to be past that now, which is fantastic, but um, perhaps he's a little bit behind. Uh, there are some other candidates there. Is there anybody in that Giants bullpen that uh, when you do have your fab or you have a, a, just a league where you could stand to add some saves, is there anybody there that you would speculate on? You know what? I, I'm really not going to be speculating on saves very much, especially early on this season. DVR and I actually talked about this on the debut of our waiver show, uh, which came out last Sunday. Hopefully you guys were able to listen to that and use that if you had fab that did run over the weekend. I just think it's way too dicey to start speculating on saves when there are so many unknown situations. I would feel much, much better about targeting high leverage relievers who we know are good, who we know what their skill sets are, and just trusting that even if that person doesn't save a game, that what he does ratio-wise, what he does in terms of strikeouts is going to provide value for you. The person who I used as my example in that episode with DVR was uh, Ryan Presley. Uh, obviously, Ryan Presley maybe isn't going to be available to everyone, especially with the Roberto Asuna stuff that's going on. But I do think that it's that brand of pitcher that I would rather be going after. And I go into that knowing this person might not get one save opportunity all year, but at least I know ratios are going to be great. Strikeouts should be great. And I'll take my chances with that rather than 
taking a shot on a guy who maybe also doesn't get any save opportunities and doesn't provide me the things that someone like Ryan Presley does. So what's your general feeling? And this is a topic that we've brought up before. So um, you just may be refreshing my memory and the listeners' memories, but what's your your feeling about bulk relievers? Uh, Not only, again, the possibility of getting some wins, but just being able to rack up some innings and uh, maybe provide some value in terms of counting stats and and, uh, helping with ratios over a larger sum of innings. Is there anybody in the Giants' bullpen that might be useful in that regard? Yeah, so in general, uh, same sort of thing. I'm not going to go after a bulk reliever just to have a bulk reliever, but I would love to have someone who I think could be good at the job. First guy who comes to mind for me in that regard is Jonathan Loisiga. Obviously, he's not on the Giants. Um, but again, <laughs> I just I, like this Giants team and this Giants bullpen is just so bereft of talent that there's just not anyone who jumps out at me that I think, yeah, he could be that guy. I mean, right now, if he, who do you even look at as someone who's maybe going to be a long reliever for this team, uh, like Andrew Suarez, Derek Rodriguez, like those are guys who just aren't really getting me all that excited. And just because teams might want to do it and because it's a smart strategy this year doesn't mean that Team X or Team Y has the guys who are capable of doing it. Tampa's got a million of them. The Padres have a million of them. But not every team's going to have it. These are not resources that are spread evenly across the league. And when I look at the Giants' bullpen, I just don't see anyone there. Am I missing something? No, I don't think so. There are a couple of players that I'll I'll probably you know put on the the watch list. Certainly nobody that I want to you know run out and get. But I actually did draft Sean Anderson in a couple of leagues. Um, you know, early early drafts when mm-hmm. I thought maybe he would be the closer. Uh, but I don't think he's going to figure. And first of all, he had a terrible spring training, and I think that probably knocked him out of contention for that role. But maybe because he does have some starting experience, maybe that'll be the sweet spot for Sean Anderson. Uh, I also really liked Andrew Triggs a few years back. So those are our pitchers that I'll I'll keep an eye on. But yeah, I, I think I like that strategy a little bit more than you do, but I don't see anybody here that's really got me uh, interested now in terms of uh, draft picks or or even early fab. And it's a shame because the, the starters probably aren't going to be going very long, at least initially. And uh, that, that just doesn't, um, you know, bode particularly well for the Giants. It doesn't bode well for me, Michael, because I took the Giants in our team wins draft <laughs> last week. Hey, I mean, look where you took him. I mean, at that point of the game, we were talking Giants and Mariners and Pirates and Royals. So at that point, you know, what what more, what could you have done? And I will say that I do like that strategy. It's just I don't think it's going to be something that you can apply to every single team. Where right? Every single team has a number one starting pitcher. Not every single team has someone who's a real ace. Every single team is going to have someone who they want to use in that role, but not every guy is going to fit that role the way we want to use it for fantasy. So I do like it. I just don't think you can use it across the board. Uh, Al, we still have some drafts coming up. At least some people still have some drafts coming up. I still have a draft coming up on Wednesday. And so I've been digging into ADP a little bit, and uh, we're going to talk about that. But first, can't have a show without talking about Manscaped, right? We can't have this show, at least, without talking about Manscaped because we are getting ready for a real hallmark of summer, and that is the baseball season. And I don't know what else goes along with summer quite as well as baseball and shaving your chest hair. I mean, I think those are two things that are just absolutely necessary in the summer. And Manscaped can help you do that. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full-body grooming game. They have forever changed the grooming game with the Perfect Package 3.0. comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0. It's waterproof, cordless body trimmer. ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. And what else do we need at this time of year other than a little bit of a strong 
manscaping routine. Right now, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor. Use the right tools for the job. Get that 20% off. Get that free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code THEATHLETIC20. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, it's a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use code THEATHLETIC20. All right, Al, let's talk about ADPs here. We have a few big movers. You've picked them up for us. Uh, Nolan Arenado is an interesting one to me that you have dropped in for us to talk about, falling from 12th before July to 15th now. We've also got Francisco Lindor at 6, Mike Trout at 7. What do we make of these moves? Yeah, well, let's start with Lindor and Trout. I mean, it's not mysterious, that one. Uh, we figured Trout would drop, but it, it still surprised me that Trout, uh, prior to July in NFBC ADP, he was third, and it was really a, pretty much a three-way toss-up between him and Christian Yelich and Ronald Acuna. So uh, him falling to to seventh, a distinct seventh spot, that's... That, that's quite a correction. And the fact that Francisco Lindor is ahead of him, I wonder how much of that is also uh, people who are drafting, maybe being a little bit more excited about Lindor that he's uh, probably dropping to the middle of the order from the top of the order. Um, I like it. I would, I would go this route Lindor over Trout. Yeah. It's, it's such a, this is just such a hard thing to pin down. Like this is going to be the hardest one to figure out because of, the fact that Mike Trout is, to me, the number one player, the number one fantasy player, I think the number one real-life player is not just to me, that's unquestioned. I would still have taken him number one overall. I was still having him as my number one pick way back in March because I'm just going to follow the real-life talent and the real-life production, and that's what Mike Trout's got over everyone else in baseball. I do understand, though, the argument for the six guys who are going ahead of him. Um, I think you could even maybe throw Jacob deGrom into that mix as well. Even with the back issue, it seems like he dodged any major injuries there. So the fact that he, to me, he and Garrett Cole are comfortably ahead of the next pitchers on the board makes him someone who enters that discussion as well. But even with the concerns of Trout missing a couple of weeks, I don't think you can go any lower than that on him because of just what he does and what if he doesn't end up missing that much time, right? I mean, it's a huge risk, I think, to let someone like Mike Trout go for the next group of players when we start talking about you know, guys like Trey Turner or Trevor Story, Juan Soto, as great as those guys are, I still want Trout. It's where I draw the line too. So uh, you know, there's there's wisdom in the uh, the community here. Uh, I think uh, placing him where where he's uh, been going so far in July, and I do think the Arenado one is interesting too. Even though it seems like a small move from 12 to 15, I thought he was going even a little bit late at 12. He's just I understand he doesn't give you stolen bases, but he's just so reliable in every other regard that I, I would actually prefer him to Jose Ramirez, who in July is going 12th, and then 13th and 14th, just ahead of Arenado, are Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. And you know, I guess I can understand that because I do think there is a drop in tiers um, after the big four. I know I might be in a minority with that because I'm not as big on Walker Bueller. So I kind of get that, but boy, that just that seems like such an incredible value to get him at 15. Incredible. Absolutely incredible value. I agree with you completely. And this is more, at least we can draw 
a logical conclusion from the drop from 12 to 15 in that people are prioritizing pitchers. And I think that's smart. I think that we can only really trust the true aces to have their typical start for start value or start for start volume. Excuse me. I think that even guys who we were thinking were going to be maybe top 15 or 20 pitchers might have their volume threatened a little bit because of the way this season is going to go. So I understand giving guys like Verlander and Scherzer a little bit of a bump. So I don't mind the fact that he fell from 12 to 15. What I do mind is the fact that he was at 12 to begin with. I feel like we had this conversation back in February February or March, but is there a more underappreciated megastar than Nolan Arenado? 37 homers at least for each of the last five seasons, 110 RBIs at least in each of those five seasons. Three times he went over 130. Uh, The last four seasons he has scored at least 100 runs. That fifth season where he didn't score 100 runs, 97 runs. He doesn't strike out. He walks a ton. The batting average is always high. You want to go back over these last five seasons, 287 is the worst. Uh, OBP, 323 five seasons ago, but since then, 362, 373, 374, or 379. I mean, This guy does what he does every single season without fail. And I understand why you would take Trevor Story with the steals. I understand how exciting Juan Soto is and the fact that he is this uh, huge, huge mega talent in his early 20s who maybe scarily is getting better. But Nolan Arenado already is this guy and has been this guy for five straight years. And there is no reason to think he is not going to be that guy again this year. I take Arenado over both those guys personally. Yeah, in a vacuum, I would too. And, uh, you know, he still hits a Colorado. That has not changed. Still hits a lot of Colorado. (laughs) So uh, one other, yeah, I'm sorry, just one other thing I wanted to mention too, staying on the third base uh, track here, there's just so much depth late in the draft at third base. And uh, Gio Urshela, he is 27th among third basemen. He's behind Brian Anderson. I think I would actually flip them, but he's ahead of Yandy Diaz. So, you know, you're rounding out the top 30 at third base. And you got those three uh, as options. Uh, just incredible. Uh, but I want to get onto the featured read. Fascinating one today from Andrew Baggerly. Is this the baseball season that will redefine managerial etiquette? Answer, TBD. And uh, just very, very short version here. Um, Gabe Kapler is hinting that maybe he won't announce his starters ahead of time. That obviously has huge implications for baseball and enormous implications for us in fantasy. So you definitely need to check that out. So for Michael Beller, I'm Al Melchior, and this is going to wrap up this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. We'll be right back here on Wednesday. Mm 